Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 84. I'm Ainsley Arment, and this week we're talking with our dear friends and fellow Wild and Free Mamas, El Salaya and Melissa Amy Simmons, about how where we live impacts our homeschools. It shaped me and changed me to be a little bit more brave. You can't you can't shelter your family from everything. You have to embrace where you are. And I always just think people have lived here for generations and generations and there are ways to be safe and still get out in nature, in the rivers, on the hills, in the long grass and, you know, do it safely and do it fun and do it wild and free. Plus, we'll share about our Wild and Free Conference in San Luis Obispo, California, this April 14th and 15th. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. For centuries, people have made merry of bidding farewell to the old year and bringing in the new. Poets and philosophers have imbued us with sentiment for commemorating this particular passage of time. Perhaps it is because a new year begs us to make good on our one wild and precious life, as Mary Oliver exhorted us. Or perhaps it's because a clean slate invites us to contemplate the meaning hidden in new beginnings. Perhaps it is a little bit of both. As G.K. Chesterton wrote, The object of a new year is not that we should have a new year. It is that we should have a new soul, and a new nose, new feet, a new backbone, new ears, and new eyes. Unless a particular man made New Year's resolutions, he would make no resolutions. Unless a man starts afresh about things, he will certainly do nothing effective. Whether a new year invokes a sense of anticipation in you or floods you with overwhelm, a new year is inevitable. It is, as any new day, an invitation to start afresh about things. Despite the failures of the past, despite the heartache, the fatigue, and the broken dreams still tender to the touch, it is a time to dream again. As Wild and Free Mamas, we are building a heritage of hope. After all, we are the beauty seekers, the wonder keepers, and the hope bearers. We are the time spinners weaving together past, present, and future with every ounce of magic and strength within us. But life's challenges never cease. Burdens and obstacles wear us down, knock the idealism out of us, and try to convince us our efforts are in vain. Maybe your days haven't been living up to your ideals and you're entering this year already discouraged. Maybe you're wondering how long you can keep doing this. Maybe hope feels like an empty promise to you. Maybe new intentions feel hollow when your heart is full of uncertainty. Trust me when I say, I understand. And yet, as Emily Dickinson reminds us, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul. Hope lives within us, hidden in the depths. She sings and never stops. The beautiful and perhaps troublesome thing about hope is that she is relentless in her pursuit of us. No matter how dark the night, 
no matter how difficult the day. Grief bears witness and time closes the gap, creating space for hope to rise up in us once again. Like a guardian angel, hope waits in the shadows, quietly taking our hand when we have lost our way. If you are weary and unsure what this year will hold, know this, hope is in you. Hope will fight for you. You need only to be still. Rest, my friend, and when you're ready, rise up and start afresh about things. In just a moment, you'll hear a conversation between Jennifer Pepito and two of our favorite Wild and Free Mamas, El Salaya and Melissa Amy Simmons. But first, I wanted to tell you about our spring conference happening this April 14th and 15th in beautiful San Luis Obispo, California. If your 2022 was anything like ours, we're all in need of a Wild and Free Mama getaway about now. Nothing compares to the soul-filling, heart-healing balm of community with like-minded homeschooling mothers who know exactly what you're going through. To feel seen, to feel heard, to feel understood. This week, we're thrilled to announce that our spring Wild and Free Conference is happening in the beautiful town of San Luis Obispo, California on April 14th and 15th. Join 800 Wild and Free Mamas at the historic Fremont Theater for two days of insight, inspiration, encouragement, and community. We'll laugh together, learn together, and probably shed a few tears together. If you've been to a Wild and Free conference, then you know. St. Louis Obispo is the perfect place to form new friendships, bask in the replenishing sun of Central California, and learn from uplifting wild and free voices, such as Sally Clarkson, Rhea Berg, Amber Johnston, Leah Bowden, Elsie Uticello, Leslie Martino, Greta Eskridge, and yours truly. Wild and Free conferences unite mamas from all different walks of life and reflect the beauty of this diversity. There are stickler mamas and slacker mamas, early risers and late adapters, unschoolers and road schoolers, box checkers, and out-of-the-box thinkers. No matter who you are, you belong here. As my dear friend Tiffany Fenor said, the heartbeat of Wild and Free is about gathering mothers together, not separating us. I was never meant to fit into any certain mold. I was made to leave my own imprint upon the world, and Wild and Free celebrates that. We may not all homeschool the same, but we have each other, and we're in this together. To learn more about the conference and secure your spot before it sells out, go to bewildandfree.org slash spring 2023. Jennifer Pepito recently sat down with two creative and heartfelt mamas in the wild and free community, El Salaya of Woven Childhood and Melissa Amy Simmons, to talk about how where we live shapes our homeschools. It's inspiring to think about how we can create a unique educational experience, whether we live in the city, the country, 
along the coast, or even in a tiny trailer parked on raw land. Let's listen in. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us. And you'll recognize, like, I know sometimes when you're podcasting with multiple people, it's hard to know who's who, but uh, Melissa definitely has the, like, it's Australian? New Zealand. New Zealand accent. I'm sorry for (laughs) the New Zealand accent. So you'll know Melissa by the New Zealand accent. Okay, Elle, you were living out, you had to move out of your house. You have three young kids. And then where did you guys live? So we were living in Oceanside, and our home that we were renting was completely infected with mold. And it was severe. It wasn't just, like, on a wall. They basically had to renovate the entire thing. So what we thought would be a two-month renovation turned out to be, like, over a year. Probably almost a year and a half now. So we've been living in a trailer on 15 acres in rural San Diego. (laughs) It's kind of funny. My dad just bought this land uh, on a whim during COVID. And he's like, I'm going to make kind of like, a, not a getaway. It was more like a bug out place, but he's just really loved the, the country. We grew up on a plot, like a little bit North. And my, my family and I live there in a trailer and they get to experience all of the things that I experienced as a child, which is, it's a miraculous thing, actually. Yeah. I love your story because so many families are like, hey, let's go road school or let's go live in a trailer. Or, let's go yeah. be homesteaders. Like, it is kind of an exciting thing to think about. But what have been some of the unexpected blessings of this lifestyle? Well, one, um, one that I'll never forget is just how much time they've uh, had in nature and how connected they are. Uh, I see it in their eyes, almost like this wildness. And we talked about it, Mel. I, I see them, ha- like, they are completely different children because they're so connected with um, the outside. For example, um, like a couple months ago, my daughter, Rua, oldest, she's about eight. Well, she is eight. And she walked over a rattlesnake, <gasps> a baby rattlesnake, just completely walked over it. And she was like, oh, I thought it was a stick, but it moved. And I did all the right things. I paused. I backed up slowly. But I was so fearful, and I didn't want to, like, instill that in her, right? So I just said, oh, that was, that you were really brave. And she, I was like, were you worried? She's all, no, I wasn't worried. She's like, it didn't bite me, so everything's fine. <laughs> well, it's funny because Carla Hannaford talked this morning. We're at the Wild and Free Conference, and she was talking about these children in Germany playing in their forest school. And someone sat next to me and said, I bet there's no venomous snakes there. But here your kids oh are doing gosh. their own like forest school where there are venomous snakes and surviving to tell about it. Yeah, and mountain lions too. I mean, we have a mountain lion that circulates about once a month. So we have to kind of just be aware of that and... I'm always out scouting for foot, like, you know, the tracks, because you have to be aware of them. Yeah, the, the yeah, real... That's the nature the of it. Real, Lions yeah, and the forest are, like, neighbors. Yeah. So. And, Melissa, you're no stranger to, like, kind of off-grid or homestead or that kind of living. When you were a child, you lived with your family basically yes. in a jungle. Well, we, yes, we, so first of all, we lived in New Zealand, which is, as far as snakes and wild animals go, is very safe. There are no snakes there, so anytime people on Instagram see our children running around barefoot on the ranch, I get questions like, um, what do you do about snakes? You know, and I have answers for that. We, we wear boots and we know what to look for. But yes, when I was 13, we moved to South America and, um, that was our first interaction with snakes and like a more tropical humid climate than I had ever experienced and just a whole new culture socially, economically, culturally, um, 
but yeah, it, it, it shaped me and changed me to be a little bit more brave. You can't, you can't shelter your family from everything. You have to embrace where you are. And I always just think people have lived here for generations and generations and there are ways to be safe and still get out in nature, in the rivers, on the hills, in the long grass and, you know, do it safely and do it fun and do it wild and free, I guess. So what are some of the ways that, because you had this wild and free childhood Mm -hmm. then, and now you are a rancher's wife living in Texas. How have you been able to give your children that same sense of wild and free and childhood and time in nature? Well, really homeschooling has really contributed to that because we have so much free time after we finish our read alouds and we kind of do our bit of book work and our chores. And then what else is there? We don't have any individual screens. We have one television and I try to keep that off until about four in the afternoon. And so it's like, go outside and, um, it's fine things to do. My middle son, Hank, is like a self-proclaimed naturalist. And he goes out and he finds turtles and brings them home. And he's very delicate and very thoughtful about them. And he worries. And then he takes them back to the pond. And talk about snakes. He came home the other day and said, Mama, I saw a water moccasin. And I was like, did you? You know, because he's not a liar. He's not really. He loves to tell experiences. But you know, they are usually the truth. And he was just so calm about it. Like he was saying with Rua and he was like, yep, I saw it. It was over there by the wild beehive. And I know we do have a wild beehive. So I was like, (laughs) okay. So yes, just, um, the ranch life is perfect for that. Um, my husband takes them out often and I really do think homeschooling though, just the, the spare free time. If my kids were coming home at four o'clock every day off the school bus, they'd be exhausted. I feel like they just want to rest mm-hmm. on their beds, maybe not get outdoors as much. And, um, that's not the case. Yeah. And L for the families who are experiencing this whole road schooling or trailer living, what were some of the ways that you guys were able to manage living in that small space? Well, I think that simplifying everything on every level was the first layer. And I felt like there's just multiple layers that were kind of like unraveled um, during the year and a half we were out. But um, mainly just realizing that homeschool doesn't have to have a lot of, you don't have to have a lot of resources. It doesn't have to have uh, all the bells and whistles. You can really just have a book, you know, do some math on a slate and go outside. Like it's really that simple and incorporate what you love. Like what, what ignites a fire in your heart as a mother Mm -hmm. and that like, once you get into that, they just naturally want to be a part of it. So So what were some of the things, because that's the other aspect of living in a small space is Mm -hmm. there's not as much area for storing a bunch of clay and felting materials and sewing materials. So what were some of the interests that were sparked in you in this time of sort of more minimalist living? Just being outside, um, my kids, okay, there's this like lilac bush, a kind of a big set of lilac bushes. And my parents, thank goodness, they're like, hippies (laughs) they give them rope and like some two by fours and my little kids went outside and they built this incredible just like the picture we saw with um i think it was in sweden that forest school they put two by fours across the branches built their own swings tied ropes that's the kind i mean we used it as one of our engineering projects because they had like different things they had to measure and yeah it was just like that's we gravitated to something different 
but it's almost better, I feel. It's like very authentic. We'll be back to our conversation with Ellen Melissa in just a moment. But I wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that our new content bundle for the month of January called Hope is available to Wild and Free subscribers right now. This remarkable collection of resources created by Wild and Free Mamas is packed with tutorials, handcrafts, articles, and stories designed to help you reclaim childhood in your own home. You'll find a tutorial on creating nature cyanotypes by Susanna West Mikowski, an origami coaster handcraft by Amber O'Neill Johnston, a guide to winter bird watching by Leslie Martino, a recipe for hot chocolate bombs by Alicia Miller, winter twig art by Amy Gow, creating time capsules for children by Stephanie Boyles, an intro to painting poetry by Cherie Williams, and so much more. When you subscribe to the bundles this week, you'll not only get access to this month's Hope Bundle, but you'll also get last month's Glorious Bundle, Plus, we'll put a welcome kit in the mail with your first Wild and Free print magazine. To learn more about the bundles and take advantage of this offer, go to bewildandfree.org slash bundles. Now, back to our conversation with Elle and Melissa. I feel like with uh, small spaces and... You know, not having all the materials, not being able to keep all those things. I think our kids go through stages of like one particular craft and they'll do it every day mm-hmm. for two weeks. The kids, someone, one of my friends taught them how to make a God's eye. It's called a God's eye. And it's, yeah. Yes. yeah. And I mean, Luke, every morning, he's six, he goes outside, he says, Mama, I'm going to go get two sticks. And he's like, You know what's coming next? And then he gets out the hot glue gun and every day. And so now he's having to give them away to people because we have about 40 God's eyes all over the house. But it's like, I equate it to when you go to the library and my kids love rechecking out the same books and at first it kind of bothered me I was like why are you checking out the same books and then someone explained it as they're like old friends or they're like friends that you want to see every few days you know the same books the same crafts and so I think that you don't have to have all the materials all at once you could maybe you're really into watercoloring and so you can do that for a couple of weeks and then move on to the next maybe then get the air dry clay and do a bunch of clay projects and then you don't have to have all of the materials at once because yes space can get tight in our homes so what what have been some of the things that have been sparked like your kids are outside playing in nature Mm -hmm. did was there like one craft that they would come in and really veg out with or how did you keep them off screens because that was one of the hard things for me when we did live in a trailer Mm -hmm. Well, they really don't do the screens. We'll do, like, a, we have a little computer that will do, like, a movie. They're really into um, Little House on the Prairie now, oh, yeah. so they're kind of, like, binge-watching Little House. Uh, but I really, they are so content, and it's amazing, because sometimes I'm, up, you know, up in the trailer doing dishes, and I'll just look, and they're all at their individual little areas. We have this huge 10,000-square-foot lawn, and I just, sometimes I even just take pictures through the window, like, oh, look at it. They're just picking grass over there. The other one's, like, looking at a flower (laughs) and they're occupied all day and I just think unless your child is given that opportunity to be bored in in the environment of nature it's really you can't expect it unless you I guess experience it and I love that you mentioned that you could homeschool just a read aloud book and paper and a slate because I think a lot of the outside play is probably sparked by you know they're watching a little house on the prairie Mm -hmm. episode and they're probably out there making you know pretend soup out of the leaves they're picking and you know oh, yeah. having their own 
uh, pioneer play, basically. Mm -hmm. They did, and they all dressed up in their little simple folk dresses, oh. like their little cute things, and they went outside, and yeah, they do that. They're like, Mother, can you, Mother, Mom, can you make us bonnets? Because I used to make bonnets. We want a bonnet, but we want the kind with the brim. Oh. So cute. So what do you do, though, when kids start having conflicts? Like, do conflicts happen when they're out there playing, or is it always just peaceful and happy? No, conflicts, oh. for sure, yes. Um, you know, running up the steps of the back porch, Mama, they won't let me have my turn doing my trick on the trampoline. And, you know, I'll have to come out there and, hey, guys, listen, you're the older siblings. Let him join in the fun. And I might see a casual eye roll. And then, mm -hmm. but they know, like, Mama means it's a serious tone, like, don't leave out the little one. But no, conflicts for sure. But sometimes you don't have to get involved too soon. And they can work it out. I mean, we're a family and we go through it every day. They kind of know the routine, but sometimes I do have to intervene. It's never just this perfect, playful situation, but sometimes it is. And that is just magic. And that's when I'm like you, I get my phone and I'm secretly <laughs> capturing a video. But no, it's, it's not always peaceful. And as, as you guys are transitioning, you know, by the time this comes out, it might be towards the beginning of the school year. How do you transition from maybe spending a little bit more time outside to maybe having a little bit more academic time each day? Well, that's kind of what I'm kind of figuring out right now because they've had so much space and I feel like they're the context of almost just their environment has been so grand and now we're going into a beach house uh, they have neighbors they go to public school so I'm just trying to figure out okay we're going to have a good amount of time indoors with our little sidewalk we, we have the beach we have places we could go but it's that's kind of I'm, I really don't know at this point like, kind you, of you might just move back to the trailer <laughs> I might just yeah be there on weekends <laughs> How about you, Melissa? Well, we kind of school year round. And so for me, there's not like this big. Now, there is something about September 1st, fall, all our public school friends are going back to school. So there is something celebratory about that. Let's start fresh. We've got our fresh notepads, our sharpened pencils. So, but, but we do keep going over the summer. We'll take all of June off. That's for everybody's benefit. We completely take it off, maybe go on a little family trip or something somewhere close. But July and August, I mean, the heat in Texas, we kind of need that. We have to keep our rhythm going it just helps the day pass. And so we will continue our read-alouds, um, maybe math a few times a week. And so by the time the new school year comes around, we'll do, I'll, you know, we'll go school supply shopping and, you know, a stack of new fresh books on the homeschool table. And for now, they're happy with that. That's exciting enough. Yeah. Just the school supplies and maybe like a nice plate of cookies or a cake or something. But we personally do keep going over the summer, so it's a little bit less uh, disjointed. I and I feel like it's so much easier. You know, we're supposed to be building habits on top of each other. And so if you have a good habit of morning time, why would you just stop it? Like, to me, it makes no sense at all. And, and also the connection. Like, I feel like I want my kids to stay connected over the summer and not just be, like, laying on their beds all day or something. Right. Yeah, and just, like, being life learners. It's not like, oh, we have summer off and we just get to... I feel like when your children like learning, and they, they just want to do it. So, yeah. I mean, not, not all the time, but... 
And I also love that you, you, even though you school year round, you still have these celebratory milestones. Yeah, the yes. milestones and the traditions with with that and like making the feels good and yeah. Because they see what our, we really do have a lot of public school friends. Um, we have our wild and free group friends, but we also have a lot of conventional uh, public schoolers. And the kids see that excitement. You know, it's even when church starts back up and Wednesday nights are back and there's this buzz around town. And they see that. And I think it's fun to do something for the kids. Yeah. So it's usually a baked good or. I don't know, a pool party. My parents have a pool now, and so we can always do anything over there is a party. So, you know, we can always go to the pool and yeah. celebrate. A favorite book series of ours is the All of a Kind Family series. And they're a Jewish family living in New York, but there's just so many milestones that they, so many traditions. And I think it's so important for us as American families, often a little bit disconnected from our cultural roots mm-hmm. to keep up those traditions. Do you guys have a back-to-school tradition? Well, this last year we were in an Airbnb, and we, but I did, I went to, you know, the Target, I got all their little binders, and I, we did the whole thing, like a little breakfast, little morning breakfast, it was sweet. So yeah, we'll just do that, they, I put out their little, oh, each of them get a book, like their little starter, a new, starter a book. new week, yeah. Book. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Another friend of mine does a summer, like she, she has a summer basket also, like when the school year ends. She'll get everybody a new bathing suit or bubbles or some fun thing for the summer basket. So is there any other, you know, as you guys have been living this country lifestyle and letting your kids have more time in nature, is there one bit of advice that you feel like really helped you make that transition? Because there are a lot of moms who are afraid even to let their kids just run outside and play by themselves. I guess I would say that there really is more learning than you realize in letting them go outside. I, all three of um, our kids will go outside and come back in and ask me questions about what they saw, why, how, um, look at this little bird's nest and you know it leads to well go and find a book on the bookshelf and I don't even have to go and pick the book off the shelf anymore they're all old enough they know go and find out more about it if you're interested you know and more times than not they will and I don't know if that's believable or not to listeners but it does happen they go and I see them curled up on their bed or on the couch nose in a book now I'm not talking for hours it might be five or ten minutes but they are reading about something they want to learn about that they just saw outside and I'm like boom that is homeschool right you there crying yes and then you're like I hope everything's okay in the world yes <laughs> and so I just think that the freedom in outsidedness is learning it is it happens yeah well thanks so much for sharing your wisdom today melissa and l i love learning from you and i know the wild and free community is going to appreciate this conversation as well well thank you so much for having us this was great thank you l and melissa we are so grateful for you both friends don't forget about our spring wild and free conference in san luis obispo california on april 14th and 15th With only 800 tickets available, this one is going to sell out fast. In fact, we're already more than halfway full. To learn more about the event and snag your ticket, go to bewildandfree.org slash spring 2023. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But join us again next time for the Wild and Free podcast.